Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Tractor Supply, where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Uh, Again, I want to thank you very much for tuning in today. We've got a great episode today. Of course, yesterday, Peter uh, was not available to join us, but he is here today. So we're very honored to have Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. He's going to be joining us today, and we have a great topic regarding the health of our backyard flocks. So get those chicken whisperer notebooks out, get that pen and paper, take a lot of notes about today's topic and add it to that chicken whisperer file. And again, if there's any show that you wish you would have tuned in earlier, maybe you tuned in halfway through, maybe you heard uh, uh, about a show that we did, maybe you saw something on Facebook about a topic you were interested in, don't fret. Every single show is archived for your listening pleasure right here at blogtalkradio.com, itunes.com, podcast.com, and zoom.com. And, uh, and there are others that I hear about from listeners where uh, they get the uh, updated list. Whenever we complete a, uh, a web radio show, they, uh, they get it updated on their iPhone or iPad or laptop or desktop, and then they can listen to it anytime they want. So, you can do the, I think it's called the RSS feed or something like that, where you can sign up for that and you'll get updated every time there is a new podcast and listen to that in its entirety. So got to love it. So thank you very much for tuning in today. If you didn't already know, we're right smack dab in the middle of the May slash June uh, Whisperer Ultimate Coop Contest. And of course, it is sponsored by Curtis Coops and Yard Barns. You can visit them online www.curtis with two s's c-u-r-t-i-s-s curtis coops with an s and yardbarns.com that's curtis coops and yardbarns.com they've got an awesome chicken tractor it looks like well it is it's like a little mini barn uh, with a run attached with a nice metal roof again looks 100 percent like a barn and um, they're giving out the way $1,500 value. That includes shipping right to your front door. I'm going to tell you right now how to enter that contest. Just send me an email, contest at chickenwhisperer.com. Okay, so you're going to send an email to contest at chickenwhisperer.com. And the subject line of the email, you're going to type in coop contest. Okay, that subject line there. Coop contest. In the email itself, I need just three things. Your name, your shipping address, where you want this beautiful coop shipped if you happen to win it, and a phone number. Okay, Your name, your shipping address, and your phone number in the email itself. Coop contest in the subject line of the email. And again, send that to contest at chickenwhisperer.com. One entry per person per email. So let me explain that. If you've got 15 people in your family, mom, dad, and and, uh, lots of sons, lots of daughters, and guess what? You can all enter, but you all have to have a separate email address. If you want your entire subdivision where you live, maybe there's 160 homes in your subdivision, 
And you go door to door and have every single person in all those houses enter as long as they have a separate email address they can enter to. And if they happen to win, they can tell me to ship the coop to you. How easy is that? You know, you can enter. I've had some people say, oh, too bad, I live in Alaska, because we do ship to the lower 48 states of this great nation. So people from Alaska or Hawaii or Europe or, or um, uh, Australia, or Canada, oh, man, that kind of stinks. I'm not, I can't enter. No, that's not the case at all. You can enter. You could, If you live over in Europe, you can enter this contest. I will ship the coop to maybe uh, Savannah over there at the uh, port town. You can row your boat right on over here from Europe, pick that coop up, and row your boat right back. No worries. Okay, so so uh, nowhere does it say you can't enter. It just says that I will ship the coop to the lower 48 states of this great nation. If you live in Canada, you just find a border town, maybe with a, uh, a, a drop uh, shipment uh, facility or something like that right along the border, and it's a long border. Yeah, I can ship it right there for you. You just come right across the border in your pick-em-up truck, get this package, Right, 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 back across that border. So, so you can interfere in Canada. You can interfere in Hawaii. If you can interfere in Alaska, if you live in Japan, if you live in Australia, you live all over Europe. You can enter. Just row that boat right on over here. Pick the scoop up and row right on back. So, yeah, you can enter. So, uh, just just making that clear. That, that, that you know, a lot of people who uh, live maybe on the border up there in Canada may take advantage of that. So, yes, you can enter. No worries there. And uh, I will make the announcement of who won, it will be random drawing through random.org, and I will make the announcement on who won Friday, June 27th, right here on this radio show. How cool is that? So um, it's great. And so we want to thank Curtis Coops and YardBarns.com. In fact, they'll be on the show tomorrow telling us all about this specific coop and the many other coops that they actually make and manufacture their, their companies. So that's pretty cool. We can uh, tune in tomorrow and hear all about this awesome prize and uh, maybe some other groups you might be interested in uh, from them. So uh, you got to love it. And then this Thursday, we've got Richard Frudenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine, is going to be here. I don't know the topic right off my head, but uh, you know him. He's our sustainable living uh, guru, publisher of Back Home Magazine. So it'll be a good one, living sustainably, living off the land, um, uh, living more green, uh, the, the whole nine yards. It's a great publication. He'll be here Thursday. So we're with you today with Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. Tomorrow we've got the owner of Curtis Coops and Yard Barns here. And then on Thursday we've got the publisher of Back Home Magazine, Richard Frudenberger, that's going to be joining us. We've got a good lineup for you, a uh, good lineup for you this week, so you're not going to want to miss any of the shows. So uh, we're going to go to a very quick and short commercial break. When we come back, we're going to bring on Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. Stay with us, folks. We'll be back with the Chicken Doctor right after this short break. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Introducing the Chicken Fountain, a new way to water your flock. The Chicken Fountain will change your life and keep your chickens healthier by providing clean, fresh water every time. No more daily cleaning of dirty chicken waterers. This semi-sealed system keeps every drop of water fresh and clean. Proudly made in the USA, the Chicken Fountain will provide your flock with fresh, clean water for years to come. To order your Chicken Fountain, visit ChickenFountain.com. That's ChickenFountain.com. Established in 1957, GQF has become the name to trust when it comes to quality products and superior customer service. 
GQF offers a wide range of poultry products, including incubators, brooders, feeders, waters, and much, much more. Give them a call at 912-236-0651 or visit them online at gqfradio.com. That's gqfradio.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Glad you can make it. Again, Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supplies, here with us. Let's get over here to the phone lines, bring him on live. And while I'm doing that, let's give him a big Chicken Whisperer welcome. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Andy, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, doing pretty good. A little bit under the weather, but I'm hanging in there. Nothing uh, nothing to fret about, not even uh, to, to mention. Just... Uh, one of those days, so probably need just to get a little bit more sleep, and I'll be all right. But um, thanks for joining us. I hope you're doing uh, doing equally as well, and oh, yeah. uh, hanging in there yourself. We've got a great topic today. Um, we may have touched on it before in the past, but, but again, it's always good to review these things. Avian encephalomyitis, or myitis, so uh, my paramedic days in pronouncing all of these itises, inflammation, of course, meaning uh, itis and whatnot, but... Um, is today's topic, and so I encouraged everybody earlier to get their uh, Chicken Whisperer notebooks out and pens and paper to take some notes so we can learn how to uh, have happy and healthy chickens in our backyard. So uh, I'm going to turn it, turn it over to you, my friend, and you can share your many, many years of uh, expertise regarding keeping chickens healthy. Yeah, this one is, uh, is an interesting uh, disease. Um, we may have touched on it uh, a long time ago, I'm sure, because I can't remember yeah. having done it, but neither here nor there. Uh, it's something we don't generally see very much um, in the backyard community, uh, but it is there. You know, I can't remember uh, what hatchery it was. Um, uh, maybe three or four years ago had a, an outbreak of, of this uh, particular disease uh, in chicks that they were shipping. And um, uh, it's, uh, it's a virus, um, and uh, like you said, uh, swelling. Um, but it, it's it's an interesting virus from the standpoint that it uh, uh, it starts out in the intestine and works its way um, to other uh, major organs of the body, uh, the heart, the uh, the gizzards, uh, and so on. And but it really then homes in on on the uh, nervous system, or predominantly the brain, uh, and that's where you get this encephalomyelitis uh, deal, where it actually causes uh, some swelling on the brain. So uh, Historically speaking, been around since the 30s or so, give or take, depending on what uh, literature you may read. But uh, as mm-hmm. I remember, somewhere around the 30s, really as a material, um, but became more of a of a uh, problem as uh, uh, chickens became uh, the uh, meat of choice uh, in this country, and uh, oh probably more into the 50s or so, it started to show its ugly head and, and became more of a, of a nuisance thing for, for the commercial poultry industry. And then the, the vaccines for it were developed around the uh, mid-60s, somewhere in that range. And, uh, okay. The disease basically uh, went away after vaccination uh, for the most part, 
because vaccination uh, takes care of it. This is predominantly a disease for the most part, but not always, uh, of young birds, and I'll go through that and kind of explain it. Um, but uh, so the va first vaccines, roughly, like I said, mid-60s in that range, um, uh, the, the vaccine uh, that was developed uh, was easy to administer, uh, generally given somewhere between 10 and 13 weeks of age, um, and uh, was given in the drinking water. Still continues to be given in the drinking water today, although there is one <coughs> for uh, for use in birds where you can uh, do uh, avian pox at the same time. So you could do fowl pox and and, uh, and uh, the AE, uh, which it's, uh, uh, is a short-term uh, uh, acronym, basically, for uh, most people don't want to say avian encephalomyelitis. So uh, the, the short term for it is AE. Uh, just to give you a little history on it, when I was coming up through uh, college and stuff, uh, we did get a batch of uh, several batches of chicks, and it did have AE. So I was exposed to it very early on. Have actually seen this one firsthand, uh, and um, you know its ramifications of, of what it does. But back when I was coming up, it was called epidemic tremor, uh, and the reason for that is par partially because uh, not always understood by everybody. Uh, because one of the characteristic things uh, of this disease, because it uh, uh, affects the nervous system, was this uncontrolled shaking. Okay, and uh, it's in the coronavirus family, um, uh, and it's uh, also should be noted it's what we call an enteric virus, uh, which means it has an affinity at the beginning uh, for the intestinal tract. And that's where it's uh, that's where its uh, uh, first route of inspection, infection takes place. Uh, there are other uh, enteric viruses uh, around, chickenemia virus, uh, infectious bronchitis, another one that likes the gut as well, uh, and then, then settles down elsewhere, which would be for the infectious bronchitis in the respiratory system. We all have heard of IB or infectious bronchitis. So there are a bunch of them around. Uh, uh, do, most, do most of the uh, major hatcheries out there not like... Um, I would say like the ones the backyarders would use, but like the major, the Tyson, the Purdue's, the Fielddales, things like that, Springer Mountain. Do they, are they, um, is this prevalent enough to where they still, or, or this is a part of their probably vaccine, uh, their regular vaccinations that they give for their, their flock? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because okay. of, okay. of the, you know, uh, over the years we, we have spoken about many, many different anomalies, diseases, and so on. And, um, you know, some, some disease entities will come in, do a little bit of damage, go away, and, and not be a thorn in your side. Uh, this one can be a perpetual thorn in your side. And, um, you know, uh, for instance, okay. uh, when this thing settles down in the, in the gut, it can cause uh, other gut issues. So you end up with uh, birds that have a gut issue, uh, and then it, it can also uh, and, and does settle down in the, in the nervous system, uh, predominantly ends up in the brain. Um, so you have you have birds that um, you know uh, when they when they contract this uh, as, as chicks, um, you know the mortality can be all over the place. You you can have usually the mortality is not great, but the morbidity from it, birds that don't recover, uh, you know, and uh, end up with uh, this uh, this shaking type thing and and, and so on, and uh, it becomes a, a real problem. There's also a problem with breeding stock. Um, uh, not all of the eggs that, that uh, uh, from a breeder flock will be infected. A, a good proportion of them, I would say, probably anywhere to 40, 40 to 50 percent, maybe, and the others may not. So you get a mixed uh, hatch. Um, I think one of the things to, to note here uh, with this too, I think, is, uh, is very important, is that uh, we did a whole segment, uh, and then I wrote a, an article for your magazine about uh, you know egg doing an egg breakout. Right. And th this is so critical. Um, probably putting the cart a little bit before the horse here, but you brought it up, and I'll I'll, I'll talk right to it. <laughs> I'll, I'll go back in my head and go back to the beginning, but it really doesn't matter. Uh, this coming from infected breeding stock would have a problem uh, with hatchability. Uh, so you get some uh, late deads, generally uh, from 18 days on. Uh, in the last uh, three days or so of incubation, you would get. Uh, some some uh, mortality, and again, that mortality can be you know it could be 20%, it could be 30%, it could be 50%. Um, uh, 
all of these things are a crapshoot. Whenever you see or I throw out a percentage, that's on average of what's been seen over the years, and, and a lot of this stuff hasn't even been updated in many, many years as far as what percentage you may see because what percentage are we going to give you now when the majority of the commercial poultry industry vaccinates? So we probably say pretty much for them, unless there's a vaccine failure, which would mean that either the vaccine was no good from the get-go or uh, was it, it, uh, administered improperly or ill-timed or something along those lines. So technically you could say if from their standpoint that there would be no chance, basically, or maybe a chance, but no, no great percentage that they would have the problem. But, again, getting back to this, this uh, <clears throat> late dead thing, if you were doing a proper egg breakout after your hatch, which I encourage everybody to do, okay, you would be able to then open these uh, uh, unhatched un eggs and examine the embryo uh, and, and based on a group of criteria decide what age it died at. And then this one has a very distinct uh, uh, set of symptoms that you would see. What you would see is what we call stunting. So this embryo would be short compared to others, um, and the, the legs would be, uh, they have a look, look uh, a little bit like a shriveling effect, uh, but they're very rigid. They're not, um, they're not going to be, if, if you take some other, other birds that, that may have died uh, in a uh, late term uh, that were, uh, let's say, uh, either too hot or, 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 or too much moisture, at least the legs are fully formed. They're flexible if you if you uh, open the joints up and that kind of thing. These are not the toes uh, and and the uh, uh, and the legs are very very rigid, very uh, very frail looking uh, to to see them. So <clears throat> you could get a handle on this thing real early because birds that come from this that survive are going to shed this virus. And so you get a horizontal effect too. You get the the uh, the vertical down. Uh, to the egg, but you also get the egg to hatch siblings, hatch mates. Okay, so a bird can be born normal with it, but in that hatch tray can can pick up that virus. Uh, incubation time, probably uh, anywhere from one to seven days. Um, I can't say that I have seen it at, at uh, one day, but I know that the uh, the um, when I was in college, the birds that we had were uh, about two days of age and. Uh, you have to look at them real close sometimes to see some of some were pretty obvious. Some uh, uh, were shaking like they were cold. Others, uh, it was a very subtle uh, tremoring effect of the head and the neck and, and that kind of thing. <clears throat> Left to its own as the disease progresses, um, the uh, the birds uh, go into a situation called ataxia, and that basically means they're incoordinated when they try to walk. They're they act goofy, uh, falling over, stumbling, uh, that kind of thing. Um, so it, it does have a, 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 a very pronounced uh, effect, uh, you know, on the birds uh, and on the eggs. And, um, you know, this is just one more reason. That's why we give you these tools, these ideas, these thoughts. You know, um, I think that, you know, any egg that doesn't hatch should, should be uh, uh, examined. Um, if you don't know what it is, take a picture of it, okay, and, you know, send it to me. And I'd be glad to take a look at it and render an opinion on it one way or another. If I don't know, I'll tell you. If I do know, I'll tell you that too. But um, it's always good to know what's going on. That way you can fix it. There's no point in going on hatching birds week after week, month after month, and, uh, you know, 30 40% of them are dying, and you accept it and say, well, 60% you know, is not a bad hatch. You know, um, um, you know often when I, when I talk about incubation, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, my hatch is not too bad, you know, 70 70%, this, that. Technically, you can hatch chickens any way you want. Um, there was recently somebody on one of the boards was uh, attempting to do it in some sort of a tote thing with a heating pad. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not hatching them. I want to almost say anybody can hatch them, but we want to look at the quality of chicks. I know this is a little bit off subject, but we still want to look at the quality of those chicks. Quality of chick means so much as to the livability and the amount of headaches and heartache that you're going to have growing those birds out to adulthood, if they'll make it that far. Um, recently, we've been posting some things uh, on Facebook in relation to chick quality and talking about probiotics and talking about the, uh, the immaturity of the gut of the bird uh, as far as uh, uh, the bird being born with an immature gut and taking anywhere from... Uh, 
10 days to two weeks for the gut to uh, finish out growing out, uh, as much as six weeks for the sequel tonsils to mature. Um, so all of these things uh, make, make a difference. The, the birds being born basically with a sterile gut and that the uh, exposing them to good gut-friendly bacteria uh, can uh, go a long way to, uh, uh, to uh, giving them a, a real good start and a good healthy start and at 60% plus of, of the immune cells, the what we call gut-associated lymphoid tissue, resides in the intestinal tract. It makes sense. It makes sense to have a good, healthy gut from day one. Okay, so anybody can hatch it, but can you hatch a good, clean, quality chick that's vibrant and going to be able to uh, sustain itself uh, in the environment that it's going to grow up in? So it's really, really important uh, from from that aspect of it. And uh, this is spread um, this avian encephalomyelitis, AE, <coughs> epidemic tremor, call it what you want, the shakes, I don't care, doesn't make any difference. But like I said, this will start out in the gut. Um, uh, birds will pick it up in droppings from other birds, uh, hence the offal, the waste from the hatch. Birds will start pecking on that and, and eating it uh, to a degree. Um, so they will pick it up uh, right, right away in the incubator. Um, They'll pick it up from the brooder, other birds, and, and the droppings. Birds will be shedding this, this virus. And uh, it is highly in, infectious. That, that part of it I think you, uh, you need to know. Uh, again, hangs out uh, and starts out uh, in the gut, but eventually makes its way to, to the brain and uh, kind of just stays there and uh, does its dastardly deed. Um, and you get this uh, swelling of, of, the, of the brain upon uh, uh, necropsy. Um, most of the time nowadays uh, and before, this is spread from infected uh, breeding stock uh, to um, uh, that have not been vaccinated, and um, then it's, it further gets out from there to, to uh, from, from the birds that are shipped around. They're shedding it, so uh, it, it can become a problem. I know. I know that back <clears throat> when this outbreak was going around, they were saying, well, it's not a big deal. They'll get over it and everything else, and uh, they, they may or they may not. Um, and uh, just depend, it also depends on the exposure. Um, depends on, on how great the exposure was, how, how dastardly the particular virus that they picked up was. Uh, was it a uh, problem with a vaccine strain that's now reverted back to a field uh, uh, virus, which is, which is possible? Um, so all of these things play into uh, the the, uh, the end result here, um, but uh, generally that's what we'll see. It'll come in from from there. Uh, these chicks will be spreading it around through their droppings. Uh, um, it is a disease basically of of young birds. Okay. Um, once a bird gets out past three weeks of age, four weeks of age, uh, they generally will not show any symptoms. They may pick up the virus and shed it for a while. Uh, generally, the shed will be either way, infected or, or, or through the breeding uh, stock through the egg or infected with droppings, uh, they will continue to shed that virus for uh, two weeks plus. Um, depending on, on the literature you read, um, it can be anywhere from, from two weeks on up. The incubation, again, anywhere from one to seven days. And, uh, um, Uh, I went uh, <clears throat> talked about the ataxia. Um, again, that's this incoordinated um, ability to walk, the shaking. Um, you also have to um, <clears throat> look at this, uh, and these birds may present as having Marek's disease. So you have to make a uh, differential diagnosis between those two. Um, they will uh, present in the same way. Uh, lots of the Americs birds, when they first start out, they'll have a tendency to sit back on their hocks and they'll 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 ball up their feet uh, before they get into the classic uh, uh, symptoms. Um, so these birds too can can lay on their breast, one leg forward, one leg back. Although it is not as common as the more prostrate one, where the bird will lay on its side with both legs out. Okay. Uh, you can see a, a marked uh, depression in these birds, uh, especially around their eyes. Um, that's usually one sign uh, of, uh, of the disease itself. And, uh, you know, besides the, the shaking, uh, and the shaking, again, is caused by uncontrolled muscle movements that are involuntary uh, the, uh, because of the uh, swelling in the brain. Okay? 
So that's what's that's what's basically uh, causing that. Uh, so you get this paralysis type thing, similar to to Merrick's, uh, sitting back on their their hock joints, uh, balling their feet up. Um, if you um, force them to move, they'll act just like a Merrick's bird. They'll start to flip around a little bit, maybe scoot around on their wings a little bit, use their wings for balance, uh, and that kind of thing. So uh, you know, these are all all symptoms of it. One of the giveaways with this is uh, some eye involvement, and that. Um, that uh, depressed look in their eye. If you just look in their eyes, you can. It's hard to describe it, but you can just see that uh, that they're not uh, they're not all with it. And it's a combination of things that you'll you'll look at. To um, you know, no medication is going to help you. It's a virus, so uh, uh, as a general rule, um, uh, once it takes hold, uh, the, you know, it's it's there to there to stay. Um, one of the interesting things about this particular disease, again, this is one that has uh, an affinity for the head area, uh, likes the nervous system, and uh, again, likes the brain. So therefore, we find this one also, um, and we find it in older birds rather than younger birds for the most part, but it doesn't mean it can't happen in the younger birds. But we do find that birds that uh, were infected early on uh, as they age uh, develop cataracts, and this is a, a degeneration of the of the lens, um, and it uh, gets a it takes on a on the inside you can't see it on the outside as a granular, but on the inside it's a, it's a granular type of, of an approach to the inside of the eye. Um, sometimes you'll actually see the uh, a white opaqueish material growing, sometimes centered right in the middle of the eyeball uh, as a cataract. Other times it's actually behind the lens of the eye where you get this granulation taking place. Um, the eye can also turn a very dark blue. The old iris and everything is gone, uh, and the eye just looks like one, one almost looks black. Okay, and uh, that's all due to the de degeneration of the of the lens. Sometimes the cataract itself will be off-centered, so it might be more towards the corner of each eye, more towards the top but predominantly the one you're going to see is the one that's going to be centered right in the center of the eye. Um, the um, birds that, <clears throat> that you've got in production uh, producing eggs uh, will uh, and, and then contract the disease as, as older birds. Uh, you're not going to see any of the shaking. You're not going to see a whole lot of anything going on. The virus doesn't stay uh, and make its way to the brain. Um, and this is my own opinion. Uh, nothing I've read scientifically to prove this, but um, I think when going back, a, a good, healthy gut, this virus having uh, a uh, affinity for the intestinal tract, uh, you know, if that gut's right, uh, if that gut-associated lymphoid tissue is healthy, uh, it may be able at that age to uh, to ward this off, and we only see a, uh, a small uh, 10 to 20 percent uh, temporary drop in egg production, and then they come right back up and, and go on. Uh, so infection earlier, uh, later rather, uh, is not near as detrimental as it is uh, for birds that are infected early on. Um, when you get this early infection, you know that's when you get your mortality. That's when you get your morbidity. Uh, that's when you get these eye problems. Uh, uh, so on and so forth, and then you get birds that that, the, uh, that don't recover at all, that just continue to shake, rattle, and roll, and uh, uh, may or may not be very useful at the end of the day. <clears throat> um, again, mortality as a general rule uh, in, in the modern day and age, we don't see it. But like I said, um, one of the things that prompted me to do this, I had somebody with a problem that. Uh, recently here in the last uh, 10 days, two weeks. And uh, so that's why I thought we'd bring this particular subject up and talk about it a little bit. But we don't see the mortality. We do see the morbidity, uh, drop in egg production. Uh, there isn't a whole lot to this disease. Uh, for, from it's, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, it's not as, as uh, huge a subject as some of the others might be, but it's a very interesting one. Uh, again, there is no treatment at all. Uh, no treatment at all. That was kind of my next question was uh, mm -hmm. uh, treatment as far as uh, either self-administered or uh, uh, bed or, you know, state lab or, or whatever. No treatment. 
Oh. No treatment. If you suspected it, um, I, you know, I would certainly take a burn in for necropsy. Um, the uh, some of the things that um, uh, that that you might see, uh, you know, upon a necropsy uh, would be that, um, and and this makes it hard for for the average person to to uh, to take this on on their own because the the things that you're going to see, uh, unless you have a trained eye looking for them. Um, you know, you, you may just miss it altogether on your own. Doesn't mean you can't. You know, if you got a couple of birds doing it, you want to do one on your own and and, and, uh, and do it. I encourage that uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, but if you also have access to a, a good uh, poultry disease laboratory, I would also uh, encourage that. Um, but um, some of the some of the things that you would see with it, <coughs> these birds. Um, you get a uh, an opaqueish whitish uh, coloring to part of the proventriculus and and the gizzard, okay. And and again, uh, knowing what normal looks like, uh, if you've seen a normal normal gizzard, um, you know then you would uh, you would you would know the difference. If you didn't know the difference, you would just you know you would just think it's uh, it's normal, and uh, because it's not a gross. Thing. It's not like a huge tumor or anything growing on it. It's an accumulation of lymphoid cells uh, or lymphocytes in the actual muscle tissue. This this disease. Let me say this. I think it might might be people get this a little bit better this way. This disease is similar to like a muscular dystrophy. That's what it causes. That's what when you get those legs that were. Um, you know, not as 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 flexible as as the others on a stunted bird uh, in an 18, 21 day old embryo. Okay, um, so it, it's it's like a muscular dystrophy type of situation. Um, you know, when you when you look at that, and then, and again, that's because of the of the, of the uh, you know attacking you know the brain. So you're not going to unless you have a trained eye look at this thing and and. Uh, uh, look at the gizzard and say, "Gee, that gizzard's awful pale." Unless you had a real healthy one next to you to compare the two, and then you might be able to pick up the difference. Uh -huh. okay. um, if you were um, of the volition to do your own necropsy and you uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, took the skin away from the top of the, the head and, and exposed the brain, uh, what you would see is the the brain uh, grossly swollen out, um, and it would be somewhat Shiny and wet. Okay, they, they, that uh, that swelling, forcing uh, fluid uh, around and in, in and around uh, on the brain. That one might be a lot easier for you to pick up. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the um, uh, you you may or may not see. Uh, Unless you again, unless you're familiar with the eyes of the bird, which I think everybody should be by this stage. Um, but you, if you certainly, if you saw a bird with the uh, uh, total discoloration of the eye and this this dark blue, almost black uh, uh, pigmentation that we're talking about, that would be another another tip off uh, with it as well. Okay. So, you know, the the um, the methodology for uh, with this is not so much treatment. Uh, it is knowing, for me, knowing where your birds come from. Uh, the particular person that I was talking about before um, had gotten birds from two different places and now not able to put the finger. One was a commercial hatchery. I'm not going to name names of any kind because it's, um, it's, uh, it's not my business to do that. Um, and um, the other was from, uh, from uh, someone who was a... Uh, uh, I won't say a backyard breeder. Maybe they were a backyard breeder or whatever, but they weren't in a commercial hatchery type business. But they still were selling selling birds and stuff. And uh, it was a, a laboratory diagnosed uh, confirmed case. And um, uh, so you know, you know, I've said it you know many times on the show, and I'll say it again. I don't mean to be redundant and sound like a broken record, but when you go to a place to buy birds, and you you know, do your drive by first. I can't tell you how many people uh, in the last few months at least uh, when I've talked to them on the phone and have gone someplace to, uh, you know, to, to buy birds, you know, say, well, you know, it's a little suspect, you know, place is a little sloppy, a little this. I'm telling you, if you drive by this house, farm, whatever, 
and the place isn't as good, if not better, than where you live, don't stop. Don't care how much you want the birds, don't stop. Because what you end up bringing home is, is, is junk, and you bring home a problem. I see it time in, time out. People do the same thing over and over. Well, I thought. How often said, do you see? And, and we've talked about this, and uh, believe me, whether whether <laughs> you know dog or cat, but since the show's about chickens, you know we often hear on this show uh, a good friend of mine, Becca, of, of uh, visited her when I was on tour. She, we, we broke bread together, just really 100% golden, and she, uh, you know, she she uh, uh, has the big heart, loves birds, loves chickens, and. Uh, she's she's uh, I don't know if it's happened once or several times so I don't want to say she's notorious for this but uh, where you know she she found a chicken oh my gosh you know I need to catch it it's gonna get killed by a predator out here or you know somebody saw one and she went and got it or you know there was a, a sick one she wanted to nurse back to hell or or you go somewhere and the chickens are having issues and you have the big heart and you're like oh, I can give them such a better home, and yeah, they have my, so they look a little sickly, but they deserve better, and I can give them better, and you bring them home to your maybe healthy flocks, maybe hundreds of birds, and, and I know we've seen it a lot on the, and heard it a lot on the on the podcast, where they have a big heart, and they want to do the best thing for these birds. We get it. I get it. Um, but then they just bring this problem home, uh, where they work so hard to have these, these beautiful, healthy birds, and and uh, like you're saying, if you're just you're asking for trouble a lot of times when you do that. When you go to the maybe you go to the auction and you see a bird that has potential, you're like, you know, why, why are they at the auction? You know, these are birds that somebody else does not want at the local livestock auction down the road. Um, and now you're going to bring them home to your place because they don't want them for whatever reason. And yet, you know, ask yourself in the back of your mind, why is he getting rid of these birds if they're this breed or if they're beautiful or? You know, does, 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 you know, does he have birds that have some issues and he's trying to unload these? All these you're right. And uh, so try not to make it a, an emotional decision and think about the birds you currently have and how much you love them. Sure, you might like these birds. You might be able to help these birds. Um, but think about how much you love your current flock and what they mean to you before you make that decision to bring a wild one home that you feel sorry for. Well, you know, and, and I, I will give you a, a case history on on. Uh, Something very similar happened uh, not all that long ago, uh, within the last few weeks. A uh, person uh, got a bird from a breeder, and um, the place where they got them had a zillion birds running all over the place, uh, kind of uncontrolled, and brought this bird home and um, was told that it had... Um, feed stuck to its face, so they plucked a lot of the feathers away from the side of the face, okay? And um, then the bird started sneezing and gasping and coughing uh, shortly after these folks got this bird home. And now they're in a dilemma because they have a perfectly healthy flock. And um, what the real reason, in my mind, why the feathers were plucked is because the bird had a snotty face and snotty nose and when the breeder was, was called uh, on this particular situation uh, said, oh, just medicate it. Probably has coriza. Well, I mean, <laughs> thank you very much. Appreciate it. You know, but again, I'll go back over this. It's a little bit off subject. We're almost done with this anyway. I just need to talk. Uh, I'd like to okay. just uh, go over vaccination real quick. Take about a minute. But, um, okay. you know, I've said it many times, you know. Uh, number one, do the drive-by. If you decide that the place is worthy of stopping when you get out, if they let you just walk in that coop, that's a no-no. I don't care what anybody says, not in this day and age. Okay? So there should be some sort of protective measures. They should either bring birds out to you, okay, kind of like they do in a pet store, but they bring a dog out to the area because they're trying to sell it to you, but they want you to interact with the dog. But... Um, you shouldn't be interacting with all with all of the other chickens. And if you are, then you should have some sort of boots or, or some other thing on because you're coming from your place, okay? They don't know what you got. So if they're letting you on, who else are they letting on there? But that aside, then you decide you're going to take a look at some birds, okay? 
and they bring you out a bird that you just feel you can't live without or it's got the right type, it's the right color, the right conformation, you want it, you want it for part of your breeding program and everything else, okay, looks healthy to you, you need to turn that bird upside down nine ways from Sunday and back, okay? I don't know how many times people say, well, I got home and he's got mites. I got home and he's got an ear infection. I got home and he's got diarrhea. I got home and he's got this. He's got a snotty nose now. He's coughing. He's sneezing. You can find out all that stuff right there at that place and leave that bird right there. Yeah. And I dare say if somebody brought me out a sick bird, that would be the last bird I'd look at. I wouldn't say to that person, well, show me another one. You got one that isn't sneezing? You got one that doesn't have mites? I mean, are we nuts? <laughs> I mean, it's just common sense. You know, and so you've examined the birds. You, you know, you like it. No mites. Doesn't appear to be sneezing. Okay? But I want you to open that mouth. I want you to look way down the back of that throat as best you can, up in the nasal cleft, which is a split in the top of the roof of the mouth. I want you to look all over that tongue, under that tongue, at the glottis itself, the airway right behind the tongue. I want you to look along the margins of the beak, top and bottom. See, you're going to look for canker. You're going to look for growths in the mouth. Okay, you're going to look for snot balls up in the, in the cheesy stuff up in that nasal cleft and everything else. And when you're all right, done, right. now you, you still want this bird. Okay, you, you're 90% there. You take that bird and you close its mouth and you put your fingers over its nostrils for about 15 seconds, 20 seconds. And if they bubble up in the corner of the eye, tell them you're not interested because they have an upper respiratory disease that's not showing itself until you get it home. And I, I'm, I'm sorry yeah. to say, you know, and if I sound like the sinister person, I guess maybe I am, but uh, there's no sense in, in, in bringing in stuff that you don't need. And uh, trying to save, save some people some heartache. That happened to me years ago. It was probably one, two, three, four, probably between four and five years ago, and uh, I had a gentleman who had some uh, black copper uh, Moran, uh, Moran or Marin, saying, oh, where you're from and what do you want to call him? And um, uh, I went out to his place, and um, again, everything looked, you know, you know, par for the course. And uh, I, you know, I had my quarantine area back at the house, all, all said and done. And I was just getting getting up one, and uh, it was only about a thirty-minute drive from his place to my place. But we got, I got about halfway home, and uh, sitting at a stoplight, it was quiet in the car, obviously. And I hear, you know, a sneeze, and I hear a cough, and I'm like. Did I hear that right? I turned down the radio. Next red light, I, I, I stopped. Same thing. And at the uh, the next opportunity, I turned around, drove right back to his place, and said, I'm sorry, I'm glad I didn't get back home. I said, uh, this bird's coughing and sneezing. You know, look, you know, did the, the, the one silver with the bird, but didn't cough or sneeze until I was on my way home, and it was quiet in the car. And for two or three times, I had to make sure that's what I was hearing. And when I confirmed it, right back to his place, dropped it off. And then it sneezed for him, too, and he's like, oh, oh yeah. So um, it, it happens to the happens to the best of us, even on that on the ride home, after you go to the ones that didn't see coughing or sneezing. And then on the ride home, you know, I'm listening to him. had an SUV there in the back and uh, in uh, a cage. And uh, there you go. Just turned the car right around and took it back. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, he understood that why well, I was bringing it back, no confrontation or nothing. Because so, he, then he heard it sneeze. And... Uh, so uh, absolutely, I, I didn't want that bird, and uh, I never got any more birds from him. But, um, but yeah, it, it, uh, it happened to the best of us. Uh, without it. Hey, I'm going to go to a real quick commercial break. We come back, and we're going to wrap up at, at one, a little before one. But I've got to uh, want to uh, ask you a question, and uh, I'll just go ahead and ask now, and we'll, and we'll go to commercial. Um, you said not real uh, uh, popular, if that's the word to use, uh, rampant and the backyard sector. And I guess uh, when we come back, we'll answer the question of uh, why. Why is that? Is it not spread from the wild birds or maybe the flock next door or uh, if, if it's more in the commercial setting right now? Though, it, like you said, it can be in the backyard setting we see occasionally. Um, why why is it not spreading? Is, it, is the method of spread the reason why it's not like Americs where it can go everywhere or or the salmonella and uh, or things like that? So curious uh, how uh, how maybe how it spread and uh, why it's not uh, prevalent in backyard flocks, which I'm glad it's not, but we'll figure out uh, from Peter why it's uh, not uh, like some of the others when we return. So stay with us. 
when you need an incubator, think Brensi, the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brensi.com. Brensi spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brensi.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brensi. Technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. This looks like a job for... Super Chicken? You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Cracker Supply. So, uh, so Peter, I guess the, my question was... Um, kind of mode of uh, transmission, and is that maybe a reason why we don't see uh, a, a whole lot of this, thank goodness, in uh, urban backyard uh, pet chicken flocks? Yeah, um, 
the um, uh, I just looked at some of my uh, files here, the, and I found a um, uh, the outbreak was in 2011 in a commercial hatchery. I'll not name it; it's not important. Uh, but uh, so it does happen. Uh, I think that uh, there's a couple of things that that go into play here. Um, uh, th this can be a, a disease that uh, is, uh, is chickens, uh, turkeys, uh, quail, pheasant, um, and since they are susceptible to it as well, uh, that may be where it might be coming from. So if we have uh, you know, more and more free-range flocks that come in contact uh, with uh, that type of, of an environment, don't forget, a bird has to be infected for in order for another bird to become infected, and they have to eat, uh, basically eat droppings in order to do it. So it may be the way that it's, it's spread. It's not necessarily, to my knowledge, going to spread so much bird to bird by one bird touching another as it is uh, one bird eating another infected bird's dropping. So that, um, that may uh, you know, be the big deal as far as that's concerned. Um, and if you go back and you look, um, you know, at these outbreaks being in the early years, you know, a lot of these uh, these birds, uh, you know, back in the 30s, 40s, even 50s, and so were, were you know, a lot of a lot were free range, uh, and so a lot of it may have been coming, uh, you know, from from that type of a situation. But uh, that, to me, you know, I don't have an exact answer. I don't think anybody can can really tell you. Uh, but and how this commercial hatchery uh, ended up with uh, chicks that they were shipping that were uh, infected, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the outcome was. Uh, I just uh, know that the timing of it, and I know that it was it was all around the different boards at the time um, about uh, you know the mortality and so on and so forth. As I remember it, that, that people were were having uh, with this particular. Uh, uh, group of birds, so uh, you know the method for this is prevention in the first place. Um, number one, know what you're buying, know who you're buying from, uh, know know exactly what you're buying as far as the quality of the bird, the health of the bird. Um, you know, try to get some back. I know it's hard. You know, people have lives besides the chickens. Uh, you know, children to raise, jobs to go to. Uh, you know, chores around the home to take care of and stuff. I, I understand all that because i got the same thing goes on here, just like anybody else. But I think that, uh, you know, doing your due, 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 due diligence, knowing where these birds come from, uh, getting some references from, from people as far as a breeder is concerned, uh, taking your time and not buying junk, uh, buying good, solid, healthy birds from people who really care. Uh, you know, a person who really cares about a breed that they're raising to propagate for the betterment of the breed is not a person who is really trying to go out there and make as much money as they can off the breed. They're a person that's trying to improve the breed, selling you decent stock. You know, they're not going to probably sell you their top of the line, uh, best, best bird they have, unless you're willing to pay a lot of money for it. But um, you're going to get decent birds from these people because they are interested in the perpetuation of this particular breed in the fashion that they see it. And uh, the difference between them and a feather merchant, feather merchant will hatch every chick uh, out of every egg that it can and sell it for every good price that it can get. And if it's wobbling out the door, it doesn't care if one's flying out the door. There's no difference for that person. And you have to make that determination for yourself. Okay? Because, I mean, I, I, I see it. I see it on the raw end of it. I deal with it after people have, uh, you know, accumulated all the junk and, and, and uh you know, now have to go back and, and spend the time, effort, and money to, to fix it. And really, it's not fair. But, you know, life isn't necessarily fair. Um, you know, I, I am a, a proponent of knowing uh, and being educated as best you possibly can. Uh, uh, I am a fan of buyer beware. The onus is on you to know what you're buying, who you're buying it from, and what the quality of the breeding stock and so on is. Yeah. Can you be fooled? Yeah. But ha having done your homework and knowing what you're doing uh, is a lot better than uh, getting these uh, problem children home and then having to take care of them and spending oodles and oodles of money uh, you know, trying to keep them going or, or fix the problem. 
and uh, you know I see it all the time, every day. But vaccination is your only other method of prevention, and I'm not saying that everybody needs to run out tomorrow and vaccinate for AIDS. That's not what I'm saying at all. The um, the commercial poultry industry has gotten it under control very nicely by doing so. And that goes for the uh, the breeder sector, and that goes for the uh, the uh, commercial egg table egg layers. Um, whether or not any of these large commercial hatcheries that um, ship chicks all over the place vaccinate or require people who hold breeding stock for them to vaccinate, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they do or they don't. And I don't know, uh, back in 2011, how that whole thing shook out from a uh, situation uh, uh, that this particular hatchery had uh, and how it was mitigated and fixed at the end of the day. I don't know. But, um, you know, you can do some things to protect yourself, and I think it, it, it behooves you to protect yourself and your your flock uh, and your pocketbook. It just, to me, it just makes good common sense, but uh, sometimes good common sense doesn't always prevail. And I, and I get it. I understand people get excited and, and trying to uh, so they see a bird that is, uh, they think is important to their breeding flock. Uh, I can tell you it's not the only bird in the world. Uh, there are others that could be very helpful, and maybe more so to your to your breeding flock. Look around, know what you know what you're doing. Talk to people who have uh, been doing it for a long time, doing it successfully, and have a good following of people uh, who respect them and, and have not had tons and tons of problems with their birds. So. Yep. makes makes perfect sense, my friend. Just trying to just trying to educate folks. That's all, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, we love birds just like the next person, but uh, we love our current flock. Just, just trying to educate folks to stay away from these problems, what to look for, and, uh, and get the emotional decision out of uh, decision making out of the way. So uh, that's great information, Peter. We appreciate it. And uh, again, we're just trying to keep your birds healthy and happy because uh, we know you want to. Uh, if you missed any part of the show, tuned in a little bit later, halfway through, no worries. Uh, probably in the next 15 minutes, it will be archived in its entirety for your listening pleasure. If you have any questions for Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, you can send him an email. ChickenDR at firststatevetsupply.com. That's ChickenDR at firststatevetsupply.com. My email, CW at chickenwhisperer.com. And uh, Peter normally joins us every single Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern. He had a conflict today uh, at 2, so we brought him on at noon because we love it when he's on, and you do too. And... Uh, uh, so he'll hopefully will turn uh, next Monday at his regular time and day. If not, we'll have another time during the week that he can be on. Also, remember, tomorrow we've got the owner of Curtis Coops and at Yard Barns. They'll be talking about the coop that we'll be giving away at the end of this month, valued at $1,500. Tune in tomorrow and learn more about that. And then Thursday, Richard Frudenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine, uh, he'll be here talking about sustainable living. Peter, thank you very much for joining us today. You have a wonderful one, and we'll see you back maybe next Monday. Yep, my pleasure, Andy. Appreciate it. Great. Thank you so much. Great information. We are so honored to have Peter on uh, and, and Dr. McCray, the, the guests we have on, the experts that, that I've made uh, friends with over the years, um, just uh, just amazing. Um, uh, their their uh, credentials second to none. And uh, just look at the magazine that we've got out, both the digital edition, which is the same as the print edition, and just look who's writing articles for, for the magazine. Look at the information. Uh, you read an article... Uh, you know, you personally just don't like the information in the article. I have no problems with that. I respect that, but you will have a very hard time um, challenging the the information as it being uh, factual, study-based, fact-based, science-based information. Uh, not just I have ten chickens for the last nine months, and I think this is uh, the cure for this. Uh, so uh, it, the, the the information where you get in, in the in the um, July article of Acreage Life magazine. Um, my article I just turned in. Uh, it's been sent back for fat checking. It's done. It will be there uh, in Acres Life. It's called Blogbusters, and it talks about uh, as an example of, of bad information that's out there on chicken blogs and chicken forums. Yes, there is some good, valuable information out there, uh, but um, I would put, you know, I don't know. There is there probably more good information than bad, probably. Uh, but uh, there is a lot of bad information out there that, that may cause death to your birds, and that's, the, that's a fact. And uh, if it doesn't cause uh, – uh, the other issue is you try 
to do a treatment uh, or take the recommendation of somebody on a blog or forum uh, and you do it and it doesn't help your bird, it prolongs getting good help to your bird, uh, your flock or your bird dies when it could have lived if you would have gotten the right and reliable information. Okay, uh, you're going to delay proper care by doing something from somebody that somebody suggested that has nil to none experience. So uh, you know, take value in that. Um, in this article, I said some of the the best four words: show me the proof, show me where the proof came from. Okay, um, and then we used an example in the, in the article. Uh, I could have used more, but I ran out of uh, uh, wording. It's a shorter article in Acres Life. I may follow it up in the Chicken Whisperer magazine. Uh, uh, on an on a, uh, uh, article for our fall issue called, uh, you know, blogger or um, blogbusters, uh, you know, kind of down the term of, uh, you know, buyer beware, uh, you know, a chicken keeper kind of beware when you're getting the, and obtaining this information off chicken forums and chicken blogs and uh, look at the person uh, and get that information. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Peter Brown, for coming on today. We appreciate you for tuning in. We'll return tomorrow. Uh, again, with the owner of Curtis Coops and Yard Barns, talking about this wonderful contest we've got for May and June. And uh, so tune in at 2 p.m. tomorrow, Eastern Standard Time. Thank you very much for tuning in. God bless everybody. Uh-huh.